Attention Northwest Arkansas businesses and talent seekers. Introducing Onboard NWA.com, your hyperlocal job board crafted for our unique community. Struggling to find the perfect match for your job openings? Onboard NWA simplifies the hiring process, connecting you with the region's top talent through tailored talent matching solutions. Whether you're an employer seeking expertise or a professional looking for your next opportunity, Onboard NWA is here for you. Discover more at onboardnwa.com and let's build the future of Northwest Arkansas together. Hello, Northwest Arkansas. Randy here, bringing you a quick word from our sponsor, Signature Bank of Arkansas. Since 2005, Signature Bank has been all about empowering our community with local ownership and top-notch banking services. Signature Bank's roots run deep with assets over a billion dollars, and they're right here in your backyard with branches in Bentonville, Rogers, Springdale, Fayetteville, and now including Harrison and Jonesboro. With a growing family of more than 200 teammates, they're ready to serve you with the warmth only a true community bank can offer. And they've got Banco C, the first bilingual bank in Arkansas, to ensure that banking is for everyone. So give Signature Bank a call at 479-684-3700 or visit Signature.Bank online. Mention you heard about them on the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast for that personal touch. Signature Bank of Arkansas, big on assets, local at heart, and a proud member of the FDIC and an equal housing lender. This facility has kind of raised those expectations even more mm-hmm. to say, you know, if your library is doing its job and it's got its finger on the pulse of the community, you'll find yourself in the library somewhere. Exactly. Um, exactly. There's something here for you. And if we don't have something here for you, we're not doing our job. Yeah. It's time for another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas, the podcast covering the intersection of business, culture, entrepreneurship, and life in general here in the Ozarks. Whether you are considering a move to this area or trying to learn more about the place you call home, we've got something special for you. Here's our host, Randy Wilburn. Hey folks, and welcome to another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. I am your fearless host, Randy Wilburn, and I am here today. And I got to tell you folks, it took me a while to get this appointment and this meeting, but I'm here with the executive director of the Fayetteville Public Library, otherwise known as David Johnson. David, thank you you so much for for, uh, meeting with me today and uh, joining us on this podcast. I got to tell you, 
I love this place. I love the library. Um, it is it is outstanding, and I don't know what you're doing, what you're serving up here, but it, it's right <laughs> in in a million different ways. And um, I, I just got to say, I'm I'm just really I'm kind of giddy today, just being here, being able to talk with you and learn more about this building and what it represents, not just for the people of Fayetteville, but for Northwest Arkansas and beyond. So, um, you know, first of all, just I'd love for you just to tell our audience a little bit about yourself and your superhero origin story and, uh, and, 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 and why you're here. Yeah, well, thank you, Brandon. I'm honored to be here. I'm honored for you to, to have interest in the library and wanting to help us tell our story. Um, personally, uh, you know, I was born in Texas. Don't hold that against me. I was there uh, only for a year before uh, my parents moved to Little Rock, Arkansas. Um, So I was born and raised, went to public schools in Little Rock, and and came to Fayetteville in 1985. I was a university student, um, have two degrees um, here. Um, And then I had to venture away uh, to another SEC school at Tennessee to get my library degree. Okay. I grew up in a household. My dad was a journalist uh, for the Arkansas Gazette, um, and my mother was a librarian. Um, and um, words, books, literature, arts, and culture were just things that were always at your fingertips in our house. Um, my dad was a rock and roll critic for the Arkansas Gazette, so music was such an integral part of everything that we did. Um, and and so in the back of my mind, um, that percolated as I came to school, really not knowing what I wanted to do. I knew a college degree was uh, a path towards, uh, um, you know, having a lifestyle and things that um, would maybe exceed what my parents were able to provide for me and that I would be able to do for my children. So yeah. I knew college was important. I didn't know what I wanted to do. And so I bounced around through several majors and wound up in communication. Um, but it was during the course of getting my master's degree, um, I thought I wanted to be a, a professor, um, but I, I really didn't have anything to say. Um, you know, all of my peers who went on to get a PhD, they were really had something to say, and I didn't. Um, so I finished my master's program and was sort of seeking something. I yeah. didn't know what I, I had skills. I it's hard to sell. Yeah, I can communicate well. Well, tell me what you can do. You right. know. <laughs> um, and over, I was uh, down at uh, West Ark Community College, which is now the um, University of Arkansas at Fort Smith, okay. um, teaching classes. And I had my regular Sunday uh, call to my mom when uh, long distance rates were cheap. <laughs> and, uh, you know, over the course of that, she could sense that I had, was kind of seeking, wanted to do something more. And uh, uh, she said, well, have you ever thought about going to library school? Because I always talked about how I liked the hunt more than the kill. I liked going to the library to find the materials more than I did sitting down and having to read them. You know, I was right. the, I had the the best uh, bibliography <laughs> of stuff that I found, um, less strong uh, arguments in whatever I was writing. So yeah. she said that, and I started thinking, you know, that that kind of that fits. Yeah. And I thought, well, I'll just go back to the University of Arkansas and. Um, get that degree. And uh, she said, you can't do that. They don't offer that at the University of Arkansas, but you can use the academic common market um, that Arkansas participates in that says if your school doesn't offer the degree, you can go to another school for in-state tuition and get the degree. So University of Tennessee is where I landed. 
Um, I still thought I wanted to be close to academia, um, so I wound up down at LSU um, teaching in a, and working in a library um, in one of their small community colleges in Eunice, Louisiana, wow. right outside of Lafayette. Um, and I got married, and my wife and I, she was from Little Rock as well and had uh, come to the university. Um, and we were down there, and after about two years, we realized there was something missing. We wanted to do a little more um, and a little more closer to home, closer to family. So I saw an ad for a job at the Fayetteville Public Library um, when we were located over on Dixon Street. They needed a, someone to manage their reference department and genealogy. So I came up and interviewed, and uh, I called Holly, and I said, I hope you don't mind, but I just took a job. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and so we were just excited to get back to Fayetteville. We didn't know why. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't. We didn't think we were just chasing our college dreams and yeah. trying to get reconnect to what was the excitement of um, school, but we just knew Fayetteville was special. I um, mean, when we came back, we immediately said, "Yeah, this was the right decision." So I was at Tice, I mean, I was at um, the Fayetteville Public Library for two years when um, Holly got pregnant. Okay, um, we decided to start a family and. I wanted her to have some choice. Um, she was working as a grant writer in development at uh, Washington Regional Medical Center. I wanted her to have the choice of, of being a mom, staying at home, or um, continuing her career and, and doing what that would take uh, for the family. Um, but I knew making $24,000 a year um, was not going to allow us much choice. So um, I learned about a position at Tyson Foods. Um, Small company, small little company right up the road, (laughs) Um, and they had a uh, they needed somebody to come in and and manage their call center, Mm -hmm. Um, and I was able to convince uh, the hiring manager at the time, gentleman named Stan Schmid. uh, I told him, I said, "Look, Stan, um, call center work is no different than reference center work because it's really about people. Mm -hmm. Um, You got to fix the person first and then find out what their problem is. People with a certain sense of urgency or they just want some compassionate voice on the other end to understand their pain. So if you fix that person first, you can move on. Whether you're fixing a box of of computer wires or whether you're helping somebody find reference material for the research they're doing, it's really about people. Um, He bought it, (laughs) And, uh, and he hired me. And so I spent the next 15 years at Tyson Foods, um, and to the point at which we have two children, um, both now who are at the University of Missouri at Columbia. But there was a point at which um, Holly and I kind of became more like taxi cabs and ATMs. Yeah. And Holly was able to go back to work. And that kind of changed our, our situation, the economics of the household. And I was at a point to where I was beginning to think about libraries again and could it could I ever get back to library work? Um, it's kind of like a first love for you. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and yeah. and uh, and lo and behold, I woke up one morning and I real I found out that this position was open. And so I had a little soul searching. I called the predecessor, uh, the the uh, Louise Shaper, who is responsible for this beautiful building and facility. I called Louise and and. Uh, 
and she, she told me what she knew, and, and so I decided to throw my hat in the ring. Wow. Um, and so after 15 years of my career at Tyson, um, I decided to get back into libraries, and I have not looked back. Um, you know, it's been a been a great journey, um, and and it's one of those places that you wake up every day, and you look forward to going to work. Um, you look forward to serving your community. Um, you look forward to the people that you work with and those that you see that you're helping, no matter what their station in life yeah. um, and what yeah. their need is. So um, that's how I got back here. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> I mean, that that is that's that certainly is a great story, and mm-hmm. I know there are other aspects of it that that play into this and, and to why you're here. And as I, uh, for the benefit of the audience, as, as I look look around, um, you know, David's office. I mean, he has. <laughs> Just piles and piles of books, and I thought I was the only one. But I mean, you see, I got my bag from Harvard over here with all my books, in it, and I carry that here all the time now, just because I don't know what I'm what I'm going to decide to take home. That's right. And and I I just took two books yep. just this morning, yep. so I'm always taking something home. My wife laughs at me, but I'm always like, I got a new book. I thought that, that's the art of discovery. It exactly <laughs> it is. That's the beauty of it. But it, I think your 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 um your office is is part of the art of discovery. You've got some great books in here alone. So, and I love the way that your office just peers out into the uh, into part of the adult section here, where the uh, the books are and and all of your books on hold. If you ever walk into the library and you walk down past the the check in area, that um, you'll see uh, David's office there, and it looks out over everything. and And I think that's actually appropriate. Uh, for someone in your role to 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 keep their eye on the prize in terms of what you're trying to do, and I know even before we started recording this, you were talking about um, you know the importance of, uh, of of books and how it's kind of like a, almost a great equalizer, if you will, for yeah. for our for our society. Um, and I'm just I'm kind of um, just fine tuning the words that you 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 shared but but i i was uh, i was moved by what you were telling me and and so i what do you it just seems like this library is is really special and i have you know talked ad nauseum about the Fayetteville public library on a couple of other episodes of this mm-hmm. of this podcast just because you know i came from boston um boston public library the bpl as we call it up there is you know, the standard bearer for libraries. You know that as a librarian, you know that. And so um, I was always impressed and it was nothing like going into those hallowed halls. And it was different because it was like, wow, this is, this is the first of anything as far as public libraries go in the country. But I look at what Fayetteville public library looks like today and what to me it represents for the future of, of reading for the future of books, for the future of a, a central place where people can come from all walks of life and have shared experiences, different experiences. Um, it seems like that's what you're trying to pull off here at the Fayetteville Public Library. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, a, a lot of that is a reflection of some of our changing definitions of literacy. Right. Um, and when you look at the central role that libraries have played, um, in fostering literacy. And those early um, definitions, if you ask somebody, they would say, well, literacy is reading and writing and basic numeracy. Um, and you find that in the book collections, and your library was really kind of transactional. Um, you would come to the library, you would find the materials you need, you'd go check them out, and you'd take them home. So the library was kind of predicated on a place where you come to take things. Right. Um, 
you bring them back and you get to renew your offerings every time. But as we've moved forward as a society and a culture, and in particular here in Fayetteville, the definitions of literacy are, are dynamic. They're fluid. So when we talk about um, literacy, medical literacy, we talk about legal literacy, yeah. social literacy. Um, I like to think about in a world where we're using 3D printers to make things that we're doing tactile literacy. Um, and as, so your library, if it's going to be the central place to, to help support those things, it needs to change and grow as your society and culture changes. The challenges of today, um, the young people and the people in career transitions and the people who are just trying to stay abreast of uh, uh, the demands of, of, of living in this community and this space – um, require a library to be much more than just an inventory of materials. Right. Um, when you look at the number of uh, programs that we offer now to connect people, not just to containers of knowledge that come in book form, but in people's minds and hearts and connecting you um, to the individuals that can help teach you, um, encourage you, motivate you, guide you. Um, when we look at the just the shift in the multiple, uh, as we mentioned, DVDs and music CDs, um, and now we are a space where you can come and make things with 3D printers and robotics and things like that. You know, libraries got to be in those spaces. Yeah, um, yeah. We're free and open to anybody in the community. We're one of the last institutions on the planet that <laughs> is a purely democratic. It doesn't care where you are in um, your station in life. Um, we have something for you. Right. And we're something here to help you meet those challenges of today. Um, and I think if a library is doing its job well, keeping its finger on the pulse of its community, um, you'll see that. And you'll see people from all over coming to find whatever it is they need or seek or um, want entertainment. They'll come to your library. Yeah. Um, it's the librarian's job to, 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 to listen and to reflect okay. and give you back um, some of the things that you need. Yeah, I man, that that is, uh, I love that, and you know, I will say this, um, just speaking uh, collectively about your team that you have here, I got to say that every person that I've ever encountered, and folks, those of you listening to the podcast, I probably come in this library three to five, if not six times a week, so I frequent the library. I know what I'm talking about here, but I got to say that every. Every librarian, every person that's here, from the people that are just keeping the chairs organized and nice and neat and clean to the people in the reference desk area, I mean, everybody's super friendly, super helpful. I mean, you have an amazing staff here that really is just, yeah, how can you. I help you? Yeah. And I think that speaks volumes, obviously, to your leadership. But it again, it gets back to this idea that I, I think people have caught up with that idea that you just shared about what, why people are here in the first place and how to serve them. Yeah, you know, I, I, it's a world-class staff. Yeah. I, I will make no hesitation to say um, you won't find a better group of librarians and dedicated people, whether they're facilities, people keeping us in opening day condition every day yeah. um, to the individuals who are there to help you find whatever it is you need. Um, meet you where you are and have empathy and help you get to um, the resources you want. Um, I, it's interesting. So Jeff Shearer was the architect for this um, facility. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, Jeff served on the International 
um, board of library architects, and he traveled all over the world. And I remember the day um, he sent me a text from someplace far in Europe, and it was just out of the blue. I hadn't spoken to Jeff in years, and uh, he said, I now fully believe you have the best library staff in the world. Mm. And I mean, boy, you're talking about making your <laughs> swell up with pride. And, right, and, right, and, right. And yet still you take that as the challenge. Yeah. Um, and so um, how do we continue to grow in a rapidly growing community? How do we maintain um, the integrity and desire and um, hiring the right people, uh, the people with the servant heart um, who are really here for the people? Right, right. Um, no matter what their role. Um, but yeah, this is a great staff. Yeah, um, and everybody likes to talk about the building is beautiful. But, yeah. Um, but I tell you, the people are beautiful too. Yeah. Well, obviously, mm-hmm. the building couldn't 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 go without the people. Right. Right. So Absolutely. I mean, that's the thing. I mean, nothing is ever out of place here. When you come in here, everything seems to be in order. It yep. doesn't matter what day of the week it is. That's that's the other thing that I really like about it. And so so tell me just a little bit about you know the offerings that you have here. I mean, I know there's a lot to be excited about. The kids area is amazing. I mean, you can rent everything from. Um, Take out. You can take out fishing rods. You can do. I mean, just stuff that you wouldn't think is are is available to you at a library. It's available to you. So I like that. Yeah, you know, it's just trying again to reflect back to to people where they are and what their interests are. Um, whether that being um, kids who are playing on Minecraft and learning basic preliminary engineering and and hand eye coordination skills, as to others who are looking for the the next Harry Potter. Um, you know, maybe the next author that's going to really set them on fire. So not only do we try to connect people to collections, um, but we talked a little bit about connecting them to the people and the authors and the creators of these materials. So we have a very vibrant um, literary festival in October um, that really embraces the the school-aged children and and the things that, that they're interested in as well as adult programs we connect them to uh, Jack Gantos and Lois Lowry we have 900 people here for Lois Lowry wow. um, and but it's connecting them to the creators of the magic um, yeah. and getting to ask them questions and be in the same room and there's a certain empowering element to that one of the most important comments I've had um, we had LeVar Burton here okay um, and he had just completed uh, writing his children's uh, book and fresh off of the latest season of Reading Rainbow. And um, he had asked as part of his visit was he wanted to to meet with the second graders from the schools with the highest free and reduced lunch population. Hmm. So we we worked with a great partnership with our public schools. Um, and so we, we gathered those students here and um, he was giving his presentation, and it was just magical because I was seeing this actor from um, Star Trek: The Last Generation and and Roots, the movie, and all these know, other things. Yeah, and these yeah. kids were connecting to him as you know the Reading Rainbow guy. Right, and uh, right, right. but there was a lady who stopped by and stuck her head in the door, um, and she asked, "What's going on in here today?" And I said, "Well, we have Lavar Burton. He's speaking to some students who." Um, I explained that they were from the schools with the highest free and reduced lunch. And she she squared up and she looked me in the eyes and she said, there'll be a child who will go to college today as a result of this right here. Yeah. 
And when you think about that, you think about the power <laughs> right, right. of what, we're, what we try to do, and you never know when yeah. that light bulb will go on and that inspiration mm. for those who, who will say, you know, today I've decided I'm going to be a doctor. Today I've decided I'm going to be the mayor. I'm going to go on. I'm going to be the president. I'm going to, you know, just you never know where those dreams and ideals will take them. But when you offer them those special events and collections that they could walk out of there and then go get 15 books to take home. Right, right, right. <laughs> you know? like, like my kids do. My kids <laughs> right. come home with yeah. like, I'm like, Are you sh- I, there's got to be a limit. Sometimes my wife comes in with like 30 books. I'm like, what's going on here? Read fast, kids. Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's um, funny. That's funny. And you know, and, it, and it's happening not just at the at the grade school level, children. It's happening as well with our teens mm-hmm. um, who come here and they come after school to meet and study. Um, to collaborate together on projects, to meet tutors here. Um, and then it's happening at the next level. We have college students who come here on dead day during um, finals weeks, uh, during the school year. Um, I kid you not, you literally cannot find a place to, to sit in the library. Yeah. We actually will bring out extra tables with power strips for students to sit in the walker room and other places so that they can plug their laptops in and study. Yeah. Um, this has just become a, a go-to place for university students. And then you take that all the way through, and so we've got the entrepreneurs and the gig economy class who are here working. They may not have a traditional office, but they can come here and meet clients um, they can come here, um, check out a study room, and have conference calls. Um, we have professionals who are counselors, architects, and you know everyone finding their place here at the library. Yeah. And then you just kind of mo- keep moving up the the socioeconomic and the demographic, and you find people from Butterfield who come here with their transportation to hear a master gardener speak, or um, maybe there's someone talking about retirement programs or um, credit counseling. And it just, you know, our, our job, our goal is to just bring as much as we can um, that reflects back what are the demands of being a citizen in this community. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there is diverse... Um, as the people are diverse. And yeah. so we, we have our work cut out for us. Um, but when you see the light bulb go off or you hear the comment like that, you think, job well done. Exactly. You know? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. No, that, that's definitely one where you can pat yourself on the back and be like, man, okay, we, this, we're doing this something right. So, yeah. 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 No, that's awesome. I mean, it, I mean, this is just – I'm just getting excited listening to this, and you're right. I mean, actually, I, I can attest to the fact that, you know, I recently left a, a corporate role that I had to start my own business, and I have utilized the study rooms as a place to work and to plan and to meet with some folks and and again I got to say that you know it's it's it is uh, it has been nothing short of amazing just having access to that type of resource yeah and it really has been helpful. It's been a blessing and and you're absolutely right. There there's almost something for everyone here in some way shape or form. Yeah, so I and, think that's really nice. Um and and the demands of being in a community that's experiencing this just exponential growth. Yeah. I hear you various numbers from 54 people a day moving to northwest oh, Arkansas yeah. and beyond <laughs> and so um, we've elevated what you can expect from a library, but how do we continue to do that in a future where 
um, there will be 120,000 or 130,000 people in Fayetteville alone. Alone, yeah. Um, and yeah. so how do, we, how do we continue to challenge and provide um, our community? And so that really led us to uh, our, our discussions around how do we grow? Um, yeah. We've got a brand new library. Um, we're in opening get day condition every day, so it looks brand new. It feels brand new, and the people are fresh. But we know we're being loved to death. Right. Um, we are at capacity, um, and so how do you take on that challenge of talking to a community and having a conversation to say, "We know you just paid for and built this brand new library, but it's already too small." Yeah. yeah. And it's going to get worse because the community's growing so fast, and so. We began that conversation in 2012, and um, I felt like it really would start with a master plan. So how do we step back and take a measure of where are we today and where do we want to go? What do we want to do going into the future? Um, This library, the Blair Building that we live in now, um, was as a result of 36 public input sessions. Um, community engagement really drove the design. It really drove uh, the sense of it being the people's building right. and the people's library. And so when we thought about our master plan, the only thought was, how do we get back in touch with the people? How do we meet with everyone and kind of say, throw yourself into the future. Tell us what you need. Tell us what we're not doing today. Um, and let's think about how we uh, address that. So we came out of a master plan with a understanding of, given the growth, given the 80% of the community are already library card holders, we were the best library in America acknowledged by Library Journal um, in 2005. So we're, we've raised the bar. Where do we go? Yeah. So we knew um, we needed about 80,000 more square feet of library service space. Um, where we were going to do that, we didn't know. Um, and, but we knew that to provide the, the places that we need, we knew we needed a bigger children's library. Um, in fact, we knew we needed to double it, um, the square footage. We knew we needed more meeting rooms and more space and we needed to, um, five times as many as we have today. Um, we knew that the Walker room was inadequate for the level of, um, visitors and speakers and distinguished guests. Um, so we needed a big room to house upwards of 700 people at a time. Wow. So we started kind of tracking these things out, and uh, it, but we didn't know where we were going to do it. Within months, we've got wind that the city hospital property behind us was, uh, they were closing the hospital and it was going to be for sale. Wow. And so it was destiny. Um, you know, it was just how can, you know, there is the property. Um, so we, you know, went through the bidding process and, um, won the bid thanks to some special, um, people here in town. I'd like to, to just quickly mention a specialized realty, um, has been very good to us and, um, and Jeremy Hudson and their leadership and understanding the role of the library. Um, and, uh, you know, we were bidding on the same property, um, and, uh, you know, they, they've, they, uh, you know, they withdrew their bid so that the library could could get that property, and we'll be forever thankful to them. Oh, for absolutely! That. Yeah. Um, so, so we we realized that property was available. We still heard the uh, questions of why not a branch, um, 
In fact, when the library moved from over on Dixon Street and the planning was going on, there were a lot of people who wanted branch libraries. Um, so we we did a study with the University of Arkansas in 2007 and developed what we call the 15-minute drive time halo. Mm-hmm which um, through interviews with patrons and others, they said, if we have to drive more than 15 minutes to the library, uh, you know, that makes it difficult. We might not go. So we knew um, that was the outer limits. So we plotted where all of our circulations and car holders were. And we realized that more than 80% of them, we used uh, Google Maps to measure drive times. Um, we realized that over 80% of them were still within a 10-minute drive to the library. So that helped us come to the decision of we've got this property available. Let's just double down and, and increase this space and hold that branch conversation um, for the future. Yeah. We're not quite there yet. Yeah. So that was our decision to stay here. Um, and uh, then it started rolling. But, you know, so then we kind of... Uh, so through the master plan, we had some design ideas, um, but we knew we had to pay for it. Um, we knew uh, that it was a temporary one-cent sales tax for 18 months that raised $18 million for this building. Um, but we knew that if, if this was going to happen, um, we needed the support of the people. Yeah. And so we began socializing the idea of expansion and anybody that was uh, that comes here will admit, yeah, you need more meeting rooms because I can never get one. <laughs> um, or yeah, you you know you don't have room on the shelves for any more books. How are you gonna you know the building was designed for three hundred thousand materials and you're full. Yeah. Um, and I, there are waiting lists for me to get a hold of some of the popular materials. How can you have more? Um, so. We began socializing the idea. The master plan, we had 16 public input meetings that went into that. Um, we met with the, the youth. We met with parents. We met with, we met at uh, McNair School and other places to kind of get feedback from as wide a group as we could. Um, so we came out with a good plan. Then we needed to raise the money. Um, and so in uh, – the summer of 2016, we really began campaigning hard for a millage um, increase, yeah. a property mill. Um, the design ideas were going to place the project right at around $50 million. Um, wow. We felt like we could not responsibly ask the, the citizens of this community to shoulder the burden of all of that through a tax increase. So we tried to balance it out, what we thought was fair, what we thought was um, supportable. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we moved forward in August of 2016 with a bond initiative um, that raised $27 million. Wow. That bond uh, and that tax will sunset. It will go away. Um, but we also knew um, that we weren't going to build something that we couldn't operate and maintain. So the deal was, if you say yes, we need to expand the public library, you had to say yes to we, and we also need to raise the funds to run it. Right, um, which means more people. More people. Right. Um, you're doubling the size of this facility. You need more people. You need more, um, you know, just the infrastructure costs. You need a little more for electricity. You need a little more for cleaning products, carpeting, painting, and so forth. So our uh, our come back to the community was that not only do we need um, 1.2 mills for the building, 
that'll raise 27 million, but we need about 1.5 mills to operate and maintain it. Wow. Um, both the shortfall we were experiencing here as well as the expansion. And, you know, this community came, stepped up. Um, they asked very hard questions, um, very honest questions. Um, but at the end of the day, um, the end of the election day, um, they supported expanding their library. Yeah. And yeah. so then the rest was in the details of design and um, trying to move forward at that level. And so we're now in a construction phase. And When's uh, the completion date? You know, if everything lines up correctly, so we still have uh, you know, $23 million to privately raise. Okay. And so our capital campaign is... Uh, and we're we're being successful there, and we're we've got uh, Jim Blair just made a super generous donation of two million dollars. Wow. Um, and uh, if any of our listeners want to give to the capital campaign, what's the easiest way for them to do that? Call Sarah Dupria um, at the. You can call eight five six seven thousand and ask to speak to Sarah Dupria. Okay, and I'll put I'll put that information in the show notes so everybody yeah. has that. But uh, we'll make sure that uh, those of you that want to give and and uh, want to, I, I know I voted for um, the expansion, uh, but certainly I want to be able to give to this campaign because I think it does make a difference. And when you walk into the library, to the uh, if you're walking in to the right, there is kind of like a wall of of don- donors and people that have given to this of, of all levels, not just the, the Jim Blairs of the world, but everybody that are part of this. And so um, every little bit can help. And those of you that are listening to this that appreciate good books, and um, and certainly if you spent any time here in this library, you know that any investment is is going to good use here. So I certainly want to encourage you. This is not a um, a commercial for, for the Fayetteville Public Library, <laughs> but I'll take it. <laughs> yes, but, but but it is an encouragement to be a part of of what they're doing to expand here and. You know, it's it's something to be said. I mean, I've 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 heard knocks. You know, I was I was driving with somebody this morning, and they said to me, "Yeah, you know, I've heard people say, why would they build a Crystal Bridges in in the Ozarks? I mean, of all places, it should have been in New York or it should have been in L.A." And I'm like, "Well, no, not really. I mean, <laughs> you know, the, the the heart of this country is the heart of the country, right? And I, I, to to build to build something like Crystal Bridges, where you have some of the some of the greatest pieces of artwork in the world that that are held in that repository." In the Ozarks, here in Northwest Arkansas, it does make a difference, and and you know it was almost like a field of dreams. If you build it, they will come. Four point two million people have come, yeah. and I would say the same thing for the Fayetteville Public Library. Yes, it is, uh, it it is housed here in Fayetteville, but it serves the greater area. Six hundred thousand people a year, one hundred eighty five people an hour. There you go. So I mean, it it's more than just Fayetteville, and yes, those of us that live in Fayetteville. Um, you know, can can be a part of it, but other people are benefiting from this as well. Because I yeah. talk to people from Bentonville that come down here on a regular yeah. basis yeah, to, to know, visit the library. Um, we talk about um, we like to think of Crystal Bridges as the crown jewel of the North, and the Fayetteville Public Library is the crown jewel of of the South of Northwest Arkansas corridor. Yeah. Um, you know, we we both serve our communities and we both are open um, and embrace anyone who's willing to come in the door and 
um, help us help you. Yeah, um, so. absolutely. Yeah, no, I love that. I love that. So, I, man, I could go on and on because there's so much good <laughs> stuff here. Um, tell me just a little bit about, because I know that, that this is an important aspect of the library, and I wanted to share this with the listeners, the genealogy department here. Mm. Yeah. Um, t- can you just speak a little bit to, I mean, why that came about and, and, and how big of an audience that serves? Yeah, um, you know, the, the genealogy department um, was, was part of called the Grace Keith um, Genealogy Collection. Um, it is recognized in a four-state region as one of the strongest um, genealogy collections available. Um, we're very, very fortunate to have Mickey Clements as our genealogy um, librarian, plus all the adult library staff upstairs are well-versed in helping people connect. But, you know, the whole... Um, the whole idea of connecting to family, understanding where am I from, and that research aspect has really, really taken off in America. Um, yeah. You know, our collection alone has seen about a 54% increase in use. Part of it is because you can also do some of these things online with Ancestry.com and right. um, 23andMe and others. But there is a portion of our population um, that is curious about our origins. Where did we come from? Yeah. Who did we? I, I know in my own family, um, on my mother's side, the Chitwood family. I mean, we've got the Book of Chitwood. Um, my grandfather and his others have heavily researched us all the way back to the Battle of Hastings in 1066. And, wow. And so there's just something about that connection. And then when you can actually put your hands on some of those um, birth records or um, pieces of artifacts that relate to your family um, or help you understand where you are. If you're new to a community um, and you want to come in and do some local history work to try to understand um, what it was the Battle of Fayetteville up at the Bloody Corners and how did that come apart and who was involved in that. So um, genealogy and history help us connect. Um, and uh, our collection does an admirable job. In the future, we're going to have its own space. Okay. Um, part of the expansion will be creation of a genealogy center um, that will both enhance the access to the collection but kind of uh, provide a, a quieter place, a more isolated space. We'll have some additional genealogists on staff to help people um, begin that search or complete that search wherever they are in the journey. Yeah, so so you don't necessarily have to be from this area no. to benefit from that, right? No, not no. at all. Okay. Um, all right. you know, we have people who come over often from Oklahoma, yeah. Missouri, Texas, um, Kansas, um, certainly people from South Arkansas and others who may have had family come through this area. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting is because as Fayetteville um, has become much more of a traveler destination, um, people who are aware of their history may know of an uncle or somebody who was born there, and so they want to just come in and, and look and see if how they can find those other branches of the roots of the right. family um, right. through there. So, um, yeah, it's a special place. Oh, well, good, good, good. That's awesome. I, I love I love hearing about that, and, and um, certainly, hopefully, some of our listening audience will take advantage of, of uh, what the library has to offer. So... Um, I guess as we wind this up, it, just tell me outside of the library, because I mean, again, you 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 left Fayetteville uh, for a minute. You went and studied over in Tennessee and Knoxville, and you came back. And what what's what's what makes Northwest Arkansas special in your mind? Yeah. Well, um, I think it's clearly the people. 
Okay. Um, and the sense of place. Um, you know, I, you will not meet a friendlier group of people. Um, you know, I see more smiles in Northwest Arkansas than I just came back from a from a vacation in Arizona, and we drove, and you know, we're just a lot more smiles here in Northwest Arkansas yeah. than Fayetteville. And um, living in Little Rock, I saw a, sort of a bigger city take, and and the stresses and strains of that, and so there was a relaxed atmosphere here. Um, and the beauty of the nature um, that's available to you, minutes away from being on a, a river, a creek, a hiking stream. Um, and then you have the dynamic of the university yeah. and what it can bring. And so if you're into sports or if you're into culture and arts and the Walton Arts Center, and I mean, it's all just this rich fabric of wherever you are and whatever you're interested in, there's a smiling face um, in the community to help you connect and help you find that fulfillment and that joy. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so I'm going to put you on the spot here. And I said I wasn't going to do that, but I am. <laughs> when you're not here spending time in the, in the library, um, what, where do you spe- specifically, to, maybe to take your beautiful wife out to, to dinner, where do you like to go uh, frequent? Um, go-to spots. You know, uh, Hugo's is a, is a mainstay. Yes, their french fries um, are good. Yeah, they are. There's something magical there. I found that when I was in college here, and it's... It's magic is it's never changed, okay. and I know what I'm getting, and I love what I'm getting. Yes. And so there, uh, I, we also like uh, Leverett Lounge. Okay. Um, Hannah Withers does an amazing job, um, Hannah and Ben. Um, it's an, an eclectic menu, um, but it's a small, intimate space. Um, again, smiling faces, happy service, good food. Um, you know, those are those are some of our go-to places. Yeah, Leverett Lounge has been mentioned by quite a few people yeah. that I've already interviewed on this yeah. podcast, and so we're going to probably make a list. Yeah, a go-to Woodstone, list. Woodstone um, Pizza, Woodstone, yeah, yes, very you know, good. Um, yeah, you know those guys down there, um, Jeremy. Uh, I really, really I like the atmosphere. I like the people. Um, yeah. You know, yeah. but uh, you know, I, again, there aren't many bad places to eat here in Fayetteville. Those That's are just true. a few that are my go-tos. Okay, good, good, good. Well, I appreciate that. Well, thank you so much for uh, taking the time, David, to to meet with us. And again, I appreciate you um, you working it into your schedule to Absolutely. have you on this podcast. I, I think for what what you represent, what this library represents to the community and beyond, I think people need to know the whole story. Sure. And so I, re- I really uh, appreciate you allowing me to tell that through this interview today. And so we thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, Randy, it's been my pleasure. Um, and I would love to come back um, and be on your program one more time as we either near the, the opening or maybe catch us in midstream when we're uh, celebrating the opening of the new expansion. That is already guaranteed. We will do another episode to follow up to expand upon this space that they're they're going to build. And like I said, I mean, I, it's it's a podcast, but at some point we I have pictures of the 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 construction site that I will share. But I think more importantly, people when they see the finished product, they're going to be blown away. I agree. Yeah. So, thank you. Well, thank you so much. hope you enjoyed this episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. Check us out each and every week, available anywhere that great podcasts can be found. For show notes or more information on becoming a guest, visit IamNorthwestArkansas.com. We'll see you next week on I Am Northwest Arkansas.